Clark. It's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode for the book Lightning, book number 37 in the 87th Precinct series, which is a very dark and quite distressing tale. So hopefully once we get stuck into this episode, we can look at something nice about 1984 instead. I'm sure we can find something. The sunsets. Oh, very nice. Sure, there were some nice ones. Well, there may well have been. Well, we're actually recording this on the summer solstice here, and I believe there were some nice sunsets. If you're the sort of person who wants to get up at four forty-three in the morning and go and look at them, I was not. Nor was I. But what we'll do is our usual roundup of the original book covers, and to start us off, I'm going to ask Morgan to describe the U.S. hardback edition, if you would, Morgan. Okay, um, so if I'm looking, so yeah, looking at the right one, uh, we've got a mainly black um, cover. They just um, the word lightning in bold letters at the top, with the eyes extended down into lightning bolts. Mm. A bit like the sort of um, it looks a bit like it might be the logo of some kind of heavy metal band, um, with the end of the lightning bolts going bright red, uh, where they they meet in the middle, and then yeah. the seventh precinct novel in between the lightning bolts there. Quite stark, isn't it? It's quite, it is quite stark. stark. It's quite dramatic. Sharp and pointy. Yeah, it could Indeed. definitely be album cover material, that, couldn't it? <laughs> it could, couldn't it? It's uh, probably one of the more effective ones of, of recent hmm. years. I don't know. Are those like flags, do you think? What, what do you mean, You know, flags? the red things at the end. just think they're just blood-covered lightning strikes. Hmm. Blood-covered lightning strikes. Well, you well, know, yeah. those blood-covered lightning strikes <laughs> we see so often. Yeah, that's how lightning works. I just works, wonder whether it? those were like track flags. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. it never I, even occurred to me, but might be a bit of a stretch, but but uh, it would certainly make sense uh, concept-wise. Anyway, mm. well, perhaps you could describe the next one down for us, Steve, which is the US paperback edition. It's okay. This one, it's got the word lightning uh, on an angle diagonally across the page. Uh, kind of like disappearing slightly to a vanishing point and then a big moon with a lightning strike that is hitting the top of a lamppost with the can't quite see is that is that a figure hanging or a figure in the distance figure in the distance a a shadowy figure lurking isn't he yes that's quite interesting that one it's quite fun isn't it it looks quite pulpy yeah quite like the next one the next one looks a bit weird Oh, go on then, explain the next one. This should be the UK hardback. It's got like a runner, what I would say is a runner with a big hairdo and a tree in the distance and some lightning striking through. I think yeah. these covers show that um, this is slightly, it's more thrillery, this book, than most of them, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think the title and the covers uh, reflect that. Yeah, I think the problem is when you have a book book titles like Ice and Lightning, there's always one obvious thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. in terms of images you associate with stuff. And I I don't know that every single graphic designer ever thinks past... And some graphic designers are amazing and some book cover designs are absolutely amazing. But occasionally you get one or two where it's like, Lightning, okay, what I'll do there is I'll show some lightning. <laughs> yeah. See, and, at least and the person who did that one had, this, had the runner on, didn't they? So they've, they've obviously yeah. gone for... eerie runner image but on that uk hardback one with the runner image it's got like the tree silhouetted in the background Mm -hmm. and so so the branches of the lightning are supposed to look a little bit like the branches of the tree yeah 
but it does look more like a British folk horror story. It does, yeah. It does a bit, yeah. <laughs> I was say, unlike the other ones, it doesn't mention that it's an 87 Precinct novel as well, so it could be a standalone folk horror uh, tale from Ed McBain, yeah. I guess, couldn't it? Yeah, the sort of thing the BBC would have done an adaptation of in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> but if we move on to the... Um, John Lightning. <laughs> Lightning. BBC Two. Saturday night, nine o'clock. <laughs> Perfect time slot. But yeah, if we move on to the UK paperback edition, and I suspect we've all got this one, I'd like to be proven wrong. Well, uh, yeah, I have actually. How did you know? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've got yeah. some very exciting uh, versions coming up, actually. Yeah, I've got a couple. I'll describe this this cover quickly here. This is another gold stripe McBain pan edition, a new 87th Precinct. It's got a stormy sky and a lightning strike hitting what looks like a, a machete, is that? Or a bowie knife? I would, have, I would have assumed it was meant to be a switchblade, but uh, it isn't, is it? No, it's like a hunting yeah. knife, that, isn't it? It's, it's, it's definitely yeah. a hunting knife. They, they obviously didn't bother to source the correct kind of knife. But light, lightning isn't blue, is it? What was that about? It's, it's, it's like electricity, kind of. Well, I suppose lightning well, is, but I don't know, like gas or something. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's a fairly simple image, really. But it's like I say, the graphic designers didn't think massively past the notion of lightning on this one. No, I think my favourite is that first one that looks like an album cover. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's the most striking, definitely. Are we having a quick huff while we? Oh, he's straight in there. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Yep, it's okay, yeah. that, yep. Well, I'll check mine. Oh, oh no, that's perfect. Just right. That's how I like them. Is it? Okay. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, it's not well, fairly limited order, but... Mm. Let's give this a go, then. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that... that it's quite nice quite a sort of quite a sweet sort of um sweet kind of hint to it no not too much mustiness so that was good <laughs> no that's all right then like a, like a boiled sweet <laughs> yeah. i was just flicking through and one thing we didn't mention in the book is like quite a liberal use of his little inserts isn't there oh yeah that's true in, there's in a whole chapter a whole chapter full of calendars where yeah. annie rolls going through making the connection between the dates where the attacks have happened yeah that's quite good because it lets us sort of join in doesn't it and try and figure out the pattern uh while yeah. she is that, that was pretty good yeah, well, another thing we didn't really mention is that part of that is to do with the rise of computer use in the in the police as well, because yeah. there's having to get someone to do printouts and things like that, which is quite a new thing in the books. The the, the bloke who runs the computer machines got a ridiculous name. I can't quite remember what it was, but Bertie Bowles or something. Oh like yeah, that. it causes a certain amount of amusement uh, in the course of the book, doesn't it? And we are to another silly name we didn't get round to in the main episode. So homicide detectives turn up, one of whom's called Manson and one of whom's called Matson. Yeah. In the <laughs> stupid names for homicide detective theme that carries on. Manson and Matson. And Binky Balls. Yeah. Binky there is he the computer operator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Binky, yeah. Those are our covers the original covers as well let's get into 1984 because as any listeners to this podcast will know that we are of a certain age and <laughs> we are now sort of moving into the stuff that would 
that we will remember first time round almost yeah. and and stuff that was very influential on on us growing up or stuff that was around when we were growing up and was certainly very noticeable so where shall we start oh let's start with with the US and the UK charts so the copyright date on the book which is what i usually use it was the 31st of august 1984 and we have got a uk and a us top 10 uh-huh. i'm going to run down the uk chart top 10 is this singles or singles yeah do you want to have a quick guess well was, any... wasn't 1984 like the absolute peak of duran duran it may well have been it certainly wasn't this week oh. God, I thought they were just permanently in the charts then. Yeah, think, yeah, it'd be about the the the, the time when yeah the the the, the new romantics Duran Duran and Spandau would be sort of about to tail off. I think for the first time at least. But, um, yeah, and um, yeah, a wham still there. Bros of Bros started, or was that nineteen eighty five? No, we're a few years away from Bros yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, Wham aren't there, but someone Wham related is there certainly. It's not Andrew in Ridgely. the UK. Ch- <laughs> no, no, it's not. Therefore, um, <laughs> work it out. John Wham is he there with his <laughs> de- debut album? Pepsi and Shirley. <laughs> not Pepsi and Shirley, sadly either. I prefer uh-huh. Pepsi and Shirley out of uh, Wham adjacent uh-huh. people. <laughs> so uh, yeah, George Michael. Uh, starting his solo career i assume 1984 was purple rain as well wasn't it i've just remembered that it certainly was ah keep that in mind so the uk charts number one careless whisper by george michael number two is the worst stevie wonder single oh i just called to say i love you thanks morgan that's nice <laughs> um <laughs> I've known that song for ages because my parents had the soundtrack album to the film The Woman in Red that had that on. Yeah. Yeah. Its main feature that I like about it is the way it ends with the the, da 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 rhythm at the end. That's just, you should, that every song should end, just sort of stop and then go da da da. Cha cha cha. But anyway, cha 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 indeed. Number three, oh God. Agadoo by Black Lace. Yeah, see, we'd have been attending children's parties with that playing, like, fresh out the charts, wouldn't we? Very much yeah, so, yeah. Going, going on holidays to uh, to holiday camps where they'd be playing that in the kids' discos and things. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's a novelty record, it certainly. Sure <laughs> I'm not going to say anything more about novelty records. I'll leave that for another podcast. <laughs> Number four is, is Like to Get to Know You Well by Howard Jones. Oh. Yeah. Number five is Self Control by Laura Branigan. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that. What sort of thing um, is it? It's sort of like slightly electro kind of pop rock. Uh, and I guess her biggest hit was um, Gloria. But um, yeah, okay, it's yeah. Kind of not, you wouldn't call it synth pop, but it's kind of got, got like heavy keyboards. It's, 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 it's all right as, as a, a 1984 pop single goes. Okay, well, it was Beating Passengers by Elton John, which is number six. Oh, yeah. It's not a single of his, I remember, but... It's a bit of an odd one, I seem to recall, Passengers. Um, I'm not going to attempt a, a rendition of it now, but yeah, uh, give it a listen. It's it's not typical of Elton John's output, really. 
Okay. Well, number seven is Dr. Beat by Miami Sound Machine. Nice. Number eight is Whatever I Do, Wherever I Go by Hazel Dean. Number nine is Local Lads, Frankie Goes to Hollywood with Two Tribes. Absolutely. Which obviously was quite a controversial record when it was when it was released. It is actually one I remember from being a kid and having no idea what the meaning of it was at all, but it, but it being one that people were singing and talking about in the playground. Is that the one with the, the video that's got people in Reagan and Khrushchev masks wrestling or something? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Number 10 is Stuck on You by Trevor Walters. Doesn't oh. ring a bell with me. Hasn't stuck on me, no. Poor old Trev. <laughs> uh, the US charts is... Uh, quite a lot of big, big hits in here. Certainly four or five of them anyway. Number one is What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Oof. Number two, Missing You by John Waite. Don't know oh, that one. Yeah. yeah, you definitely will. Like proper kind of soft rock um, oh. radio kind of yeah. classic. Yeah, I suspect there's a lot of these that I say I don't know, but it's just that I don't know the name and have never. Yeah, it's sort of... a, it's a, it's one that will have been on the radio in the background for all of our lives. So, yeah. <laughs> Number three is "Stuck on You" by Lionel Richie. Oh God! Missing Hang on, you stuck. But on number you. ten in the UK. Number ten in the UK is "Stuck on You" by Trevor Walters. Number oh, three right. in the US is "Stuck on You" by Lionel Richie. Hmm. Hmm. There's a mystery here that I'm not going to solve. No. <laughs> but number four is Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, we definitely are. And uh, Steve-O mentioned him before, but number five is a Prince single, and it's When Doves Cry. Absolutely. Number six is She-Bop by Cindy Lauper. Oh, yeah. One of the, the one of the lesser played ones over the years. Number seven, Sunglasses at Night by Corey Hart. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about that, but it sounds brilliant. Yeah, I think there was a... I don't remember it from the time, but there was a, a either a remix or a cover of it that charted again um, about 15 years ago and got quite a lot of airplay, so I, I know it vaguely from that. Yeah, it's quite a bit of a, a moody kind of electro thing. Hmm. Number eight is Let's Go pra- Crazy by Prince and the Revolution. Not Let's Go Crazy, as I was about to say, which sounds like some sort of Christian rock song. <laughs> um, yeah, I bet he was in the charts non-stop in 1984. Yeah, a, a good era for him, definitely. Yeah. Number nine is If This Is It by Huey Lewis and the News. Oh, classic 80s. And number 10 is If, you, if Ever You're In My Arms Again by Peebo Bryson. Oh yeah, Peebo. Peebo. Good old Peebo. Peebo is that? P e a b o. Peebo. Yeah. That's a trick. If you were starting out now, <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No. Uh, probably, you probably changed that. <laughs> probably, <wouldn't you>? probably. <laughs> so anyway, that's what music. Peebo Bryson as well. The, the, you know, you used to have a policeman who used to come round your school to do various yeah. things. Ours was called PC Bryce, so that's quite similar. Well, there to that. you go. That's that was probably in 1984. Say as no well. to strangers. Yeah, you used to have a radio-controlled police car that you used to like pretend was real. He used to leave the room, but then you could just see him behind like a little <laughs> what? divider with the handset. Sounds incredible. 
So he'd be like, oh, it's magic. He'd be like, no, PC Bryce is over there with the, uh, the hand control. Yeah. And, but to this day, you've never got into, an, into a radio-controlled car with a stranger, have you? I haven't, no. So there you go. <laughs> See, it worked. Right, that's music. That's music taken care of. I've been quite looking forward to getting onto films because I reckon this is the first time I've been doing this list of like the 10 biggest grossing films that I reckon I've seen every single one of them. Oh, yeah. And I bet you all, you two have as well. Yeah, there's some big ones. Well, it was funny because like 1983, we really struggled, didn't we? And like 1984, all of a sudden, like, like you said. That's a hit, isn't it? Yeah. 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 What do you think was the biggest film though of of nineteen eighty four? Temple of Doom. Pretty big, not the biggest. Uh, not Ghostbusters. Pretty big, not the biggest. Ooh. Give us a clue. I won't. I'll just tell you what it is. <laughs> it Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, oh god, yeah, of course. I didn't realise it was quite that big, but then I suppose I was only thinking about films like Ghostbusters <laughs> because I was a kid. I definitely didn't see Beverly Hills Cop in 1984, let's put it that way. So Beverly Hills Cop, number one, Ghostbusters, number two, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, number three, number four, Gremlins. Ooh. Oh, of course, yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Number five, The Karate Kid. Oh, God. yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> Number six. Now, hold on to your hats, everyone. Hold on to your Maya Maya-style wigs. It's Police Academy. Oh. <laughs> now, if there wasn't a spiritual successor to uh, the Carry On films, then um, <laughs> I'm not Commissioner, whatever he was called. <laughs> I think Police Academy films are, in, in a way, the middle ground between the Carry On films and the 87th, 87th Precinct. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> on the spectrum. Be funny in future. Be in funny in future entries we do in where uh, Ed McBain's ranting about the police academy. You see, there's a bit of a senile uh, head figure in the police academy, isn't there? Like Captain Frick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little known fact that Ed McBain sued Steve Guttenberg. Oh yeah, you see strongly in the. What year was uh, Short Circuit? Uh, a couple of years Ooh. after that, in 86 or something like that. 85, oh 86, yeah. Yeah. And amazing. Not far away, anyway. Oh, great. I hope he's got a book to read that year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after Police Academy, number seven was Footloose. That's a tragic Ooh. tale of loose feet. I've never <laughs> seen that film. Oh, oh right, so you've out. not got the full set. Eh? I've seen it, but I can't remember it. Kevin Bacon's Angry Dancing. Yeah. He does like to run up things. I think I've he seen really bits of it, but... Yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Number eight, Romancing the Stone. Oh, yeah. Uh, number nine, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Is that a good one or a terrible one? Well, I seem to remember it being good, but I think technically it's supposed to be a bad one if the, you follow the system. The old, the old numbered <laughs> ones are the bad ones, aren't they? Well, yeah, Star Trek Three, And number ten is Splash. Oh, yeah for all your mermaid film needs. Mm. <laughs> but there's so many amazing films out in 1984. Yeah. You know, most of those are pretty good films, uh, to some extent, or certainly the ones with big, long-lasting legacies. And I've I just quickly had a, a look through some other ones that just leapt out at me from the list of things that came out in 1984, such as Terminator, for a kickoff. Yeah. Right. 
And that isn't even but, the top ten. No. no, I think it had quite a sort of slow start. I think it was more of a legacy film, really. Yeah, the, Terminator, Terminator 2 was like... Oh, it was did yeah, that was really yeah. well at the box office, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've got Terminator, we've got This Is Spinal Tap. Oh, yeah. yes. We've got, uh, not so great, Supergirl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a strange thing. I'll tell you one that, that, that was released this year that I was looking at earlier. Dune. Yes, that's on the list. <laughs> yeah. Both a great film and an absolutely terrible film. Yes, it's a very strange bit of book adaptation. Uh, yeah, there's new a new version of Dune coming out before too long, which I'm sure might be interesting. Well, I'll quickly run through these as well. Uh, Top Secret, which is a very funny film. Oh, it's great, yeah. Repo Man, Toxic Avenger. Oh, God. Amadeus, which oh. I've, I've watched about three or four times in my life and every time I end up sort of watching it and going, I hate this, why am I still watching it? And then end up watching it all the way through. Yeah, it's a pretty weird film that, isn't it? Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, what else have we got? Purple Rain. So there's Prince's star very much in the ascendancy. And everyone's favourite, of course, which is Electric Dreams, the story of a love triangle between a man, a woman and a computer. Mm. <laughs> Because it was 1984 and computers existed. All gold. Well, so, yeah. Well, let's move on to some TV because I had to stop writing down a list of things that came out in 1984 that I wanted to talk about because, as I've suggested before, basically it was everything that I've grown up with, yeah. that we've grown up with. So I've picked a, a selection of UK TV things for, for us. So one thing that, strangely enough, I think Steve-O when last we met you managed to mention this heartbeat oh right yeah ah, yeah that started in 1984 it did yeah wow that was great would you like to describe what heartbeat was it was a children's television program about art hence heart and it was presented by tony hart who was very good <laughs> at art so well tony yep. hart was quite a I don't know, like as a child, you would have not been able to put an age on him within about plus or minus 25 years, I don't think. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Um, That's very true, yeah. The big sort of sweeping mane of white hair, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, so you would have thought he was like totally and utterly ancient, but he probably wasn't, I don't know. No. Um, He'd been around a long time by this point, and he yeah. was and he, he was on that program for for a long time afterwards. Well, he was very good, and uh, you could send in your artwork, and you'd put him up on the uh, the wall, the gallery, the gallery, the gallery. and he might get a, a a call out, shout out from Tony uh, if he liked your your piece. I think I sent stuff in and never saw it, so you know. yeah, I'm pretty sure I did too. But and then um, he had some plasticine little cartoon fellas didn't he called morph, morph. yeah uh, and Chaz. Who, who were like uh like stop animation little fellas doing little segments in his program and he was great really yeah and it great had a program. brilliant theme tune it did it did we won't sing it because it wouldn't do it justice. No, but, uh, but check it out, it's great. I'll, sh I'll share the video on our twitter feed for people who'll just be baffled if they haven't listened to this episode why we're suddenly sharing it 
uh, yeah, quickly run down some of these other ones. The Box of Delights is an absolutely brilliant Ooh. adaptation of a, of a children's book that was on over Christmas of 1984. Terrifying. Yeah, very yeah. weird and... Terrifying. Spellbinding. Dark and strange and fantastical. Yeah. yeah. One of my earliest TV memories is watching The Box of Delights. Tremendous. Thomas the Tank Engine starts. Oh, my God. Brilliant. <laughs> that was a, the best reaction. And was Ringo Starr narrating it from the outset? He was right from the outset. Ringo Starr was the voice of Thomas the Tank Engine. Fantastic. There was a cartoon called The Family Ness. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you could uh, get your thistle whistle out and summon Nessie, couldn't you? Yeah, or a variety of different Nessie family members. Yeah, that was, that was good. That. Um, yeah, happiness was... and grumpiness and things like that, weren't they? I'm sure. Yeah. It was like Jimbo the Jet Set. I bet that was 1984 as well. I didn't spot it. I think that might be a couple of years later, but same sort of animation technique. But on the subject of things that are actually good, there's The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. All right, yep, great. Which, of course, is the Jeremy Brett series from that begins in 1984. Very nice. These more or less definitive versions of the stories on TV. And The Bill, which we've talked about before on this, this programme, starts in 1984 as a quite a gritty procedural thing and later descends into a bit more soapy sort of stuff, but it's very good. Yep. And let's jump to America because, you know, I think the majority of our listeners are American, so they'll be completely baffled by almost 90% of what we're talking about, really. Yeah, I'm not sure Tony Hart made much impression on the American. Uh... Yeah. Well, I've got something special here that I want to I want to present to you guys here, apart from other things. So we've got Airwolf starts in, oh, in 1984. Talking about great theme tunes. Bloody hell, that's up there. Yeah, it's an excellent theme tune. The, we also have Murder, She Wrote, started in 1984. Oh, right, okay. Oh. I would have thought that was earlier than that, but then... Yeah, it's the type, type of thing that looks a bit older than perhaps it, yeah. Yeah. You have Who's the Boss, which is a sitcom about a woman being the boss. Imagine that. <laughs> You've got Miami Vice, which starts oh, for all God. your white-suited, fast car weirdness. Yeah. Muppet Babies. Oh, oh, blimey. A permanent fixture uh, uh, on early Saturday morning telly, wasn't it? 7.30 yes, maybe, if you were up early. Yeah. You had, to watch which, it. you had to watch it with the volume turned down, fear of waking anybody else up. <laughs> Quite a good theme tune for Muppet Babies as well. Yeah. Although if you think about the, the concept, it's too much. <laughs> why? What's Why? Well, it suggests that there's some sort of Muppet breeding program that requires these nurseries, and it's oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, dystopian, fuzzy bear. Yeah, and whilst I would love to just dedicate the rest of this episode to talking about the Transformers, which begins oh. on syndication in America. And is the best cartoon ever for the best toy line ever. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave that to one side because I want to mention a thing called Dreams. And I wonder if any of our American listeners have ever heard of Dreams. Now, this was a sitcom that aired on CBS in October 1984. And I was only saying one month, October 1984, 
because as far as I can tell, it was twelve episodes were made and only seven uh, and only five were ever shown, which is always the sign of a good show. Yeah. And the basic description I could find is that it follows the story of a fictional rock band that tries to get a recording contract. That sounds what great. Is the band called Dreams? Is it? I assume so. Oh God. And I could barely find any information about this. Episode one, the, the pricey for episode one is an old boyfriend of Lisa's shows up and challenges Gino to a weightlifting competition. Oh, my God. Gino becomes obsessed with the challenge, risking a great opportunity for the band. <laughs> Sounds terrific. So they were about to get a recording contract, but one of the band members got distracted by a weightlifting competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just sounds brilliant, doesn't it? <laughs> it really yeah. does. Oh, I wish I could. I, I'll have to see if I can find some episodes. Of that It sounds so absolutely awful. <laughs> and I do love things that they set around uh, rock bands and things because it's, yeah, always, it's always, oh, it's always dreadful and brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did find something for Australia, though, and I, I noted this down because I think you'll be interested in this, Steve-O. Yeah. If I tell you the name of this mini-series, this drama mini-series, perhaps you could tell me what it's about, even if you don't know right. the show itself. It's called Bodyline. Bodyline. Oh, well, is that cricket-related? It is. Ah, right. Okay, yeah. So a mini-series about the, the Bodyline uh, test series in Australia, the Ashes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, brought about the uh, the advent of short-pitched bowling aimed to stop Don Bradman from scoring endless amounts of run runs. Yeah. 1930s, was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. 30, whoa. now you're asking 32, something <laughs> like that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was that was in uh, Australia in 1984 with Hugo Weaving playing Douglas Jardine and Gary Sweet as Don Bradman. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's had a big uh, impact on the future of cricket henceforth. Well, let's move on to our picks for 1984 of an album and a movie. So, Morgan, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I can do. Um, Albums-wise, I mean, it, 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 there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I like. Definitely came out in uh, in '84. Lots of quite underground stuff. But uh, for my uh, selection this episode, I wanted to pick uh too tough to die by the ramones all right just because i would say although i guess the, the like the classic sort of first three albums of sort of long passed by this point uh too tough to die was kind of i'd say the last really great ramones album all the ones after that have their moments but um it's kind of like it was their, their last sort of real throw the dice to try and kind of have a hit record i think and they, they kind of throw in everything that the throw everything they've got at it really so it's got like great pop bits great like harder punk edged stuff some more kind of hard rock stuff a new drummer which kind of gives them a bit more kind of uh, energy and it's it's just All cracking right. really it's a it's a, a very good sort of later addition to their uh, to their back catalog so well worth a listen Okay, good recommendation. And what about a film? Well, we've already touched on this. I think we, we because we've already looked at um, a lot of movies. I, I was going to just uh, recommend Repo Man just in case anyone hasn't seen it because it's yeah. it's, it's certainly one of my favourites from the year. Just such an odd movie, but really compelling. Emilio Estevez as the uh, the punk ne'er do well who's um recruited as a as a, a car repo person chasing after a, a 
some kind of, I don't know if it's a Cadillac or what kind of car that uh, has some kind of mysterious alien artifact that vaporizes people in the boot. Um, wow. what a film. I've never seen this. I've never seen it. Sounds great. I think yeah. I didn't. I didn't see it till about ten years ago, and it's it was a it was a revelation. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it until it turned up in the one ninety nine DVD section in uh, Asda on Smith Down Road. And I thought that looks interesting, and yeah, what a movie! <laughs> what a movie! Uh, great performances from Estevez and uh, Harry Dean Stanton and Alex Cox directing. Mm-hmm. Great soundtrack with Black Flag and the Circle Jerks and Iggy Pop and the Plugs. Um, yeah, excellent stuff. Yeah, it's a great film. What are your choices, Steve-O? Well, I hasten to add, I didn't pick this for a fairly obvious reason why you might pick it. But I was thinking, <laughs> well, the mid-80s, you know, heavy metal is starting to get into its stride again, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then I was thinking, well... I'm pretty sure my favourite Metallica album would have been released around about then, and happily it was in 1984, and it is entitled Ride the Lightning. Indeed. I didn't even pick it because of that. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Yeah. Now, see, yeah, I can... I can take or leave a hell of a lot of Metallica, but that album is just bloody great, I think, from start to finish. It's a talker. And I don't think they ever quite scale those heights ever again. Well, there's a lot of people who like Master of Puppets who might disagree, but no, we'll... we'll yeah, you know. yeah, well, I think that's certainly up there, isn't it? Those those two, and I think after that, uh, after um, uh, no Cliff Burton anymore, they're, yeah... Yeah, never quite the same again. I heard something off uh, Unjustice for All the other day, and it sounds like it's recorded in a biscuit tin. It's just... Very troubling. Yeah. Yeah, awful. Really awful. So, yeah, Ride the Lightning. And then films. I don't know. I mentioned June before. You see, there's a... You see, quite like to tell people to watch... uh, Recommend people watch June. Because it's just (laughs) a slight... It's quite good and quite bad, and it's like a bit of a car crash of a film, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and it, because it's, it's just fairly mad from beginning to end, but I don't know. You mentioned it's Karate a- Kid, you see. I, I didn't even uh, cotton on to that one, but I absolutely love like Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. And uh, if it was uh, 48 hours as well, but that was a couple of years earlier. But I would have never watched that at the time. So I don't know what, what am I going to go for. I think I'll go for <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. Uh, you, because you side... I, I would have watched, when it came out, Karate Kid 2. I'm pretty sure about that. So I might recommend that when we get to whenever that is. Okie doke. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. Beverly Hills Cop, you could uh, you side with the people that paid $234,760,478 in domestic yeah. gross. See, I'm not saying it's a, a particularly amazing film but it's just quintessentially 80s isn't it pretty much uh, so yeah yeah okie doke well my picks for the period album wise i obviously my thoughts drift straight to beatles related things but i checked in with mccartney and i knew what i was going to find oh what's he mm-hmm. doing broadway it was a bit of a tri- a bit oh. of a tricky tricky period for mccartney so it the he only has a couple of singles out in 1984, one of which is We All Stand Together, which I love Excellent. to pieces, and and No More Lonely Nights, which is also an amazing song. Oh, it's so good. But the problem is it comes from the Give My Regards to Broad Street <laughs> album, 
which is a very peculiar thing. I say that you've got your album and film sorted there. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. You could. It would be a, a strange me that would pick that as a film and album. <laughs> I haven't actually, I haven't actually seen the film all the way through. I've tried to watch it in pieces on YouTube because it's quite hard to come by, and it's it's incomprehensible. <laughs> but, has, has that got that uh, secretary song on it? No, oh. no, that's that's oh, on McCartney too. Oh right. So yeah, basically, this marks the point in the eighties when McCartney goes into a bit of a slump in the eighties because the next couple of bits he does aren't very good, and it's not until about nineteen eighty nine and Flowers to the Dirt that he gets good again. Flowers to the Dirt, Flowers in the Dirt, even. So my pick for nineteen eighty four music is Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen. Oh, that's terrific. Which is one of the best punk albums ever made. It's it's quite hard to explain it in terms of punk, really, because it's more it's more techy than than that, I suppose, in terms of style. But it's yeah. such a it's great album. It's it's it, it's definitely very very much punk in spirit, but informed by I guess Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band and Gang of Four and and various kind of funk things as well. There's a lot going on there, isn't there? Yeah, and this is a double album, so there's there's all sorts of things in there. There's bits of spoken word and cover versions and and all sorts really. It's uh, there's a lot to investigate on double nickels. So that's my album pick. And oh. um, for my film pick, and I've deliberately left this open a bit like Steve-O, because I've got a few there that I could quite happily pick. But I think I'll go for Gremlins. <laughs> Cause it's it's just one you can watch over and over again. And it's sort of become a Christmas film, even though it was released in summer. And it's a lot scarier and weirder than you often remember until you watch it again. <laughs> and, and it's just it's just fab. It's just an extraordinary bit of filmmaking. For... I remember being quite scared of that. I remember my cousin yeah, was a bit older it. than me. I remember them. Uh, you could get figures, couldn't you? And yeah, I remember like, being quite scared of the figures. I remember seeing them. <laughs> And also it's one of those things that's the figurehead of a load of little nasty monster movies that you can come to later, like crit- Critters and Ghoulies and things like that. <laughs> so it's, yeah, but that's my pick anyway, is, is Gremlins. And before we finish off, I looked around then and realised I've got my Quincy the Television Series book with me. Ooh. Okay. Because we discussed on the last episode... What's- What's Klugman up to? Well, we discussed on the last episode, I think it was, if not the one before, that Quincy ended in the time period we were talking about. But I couldn't remember what the last episode was. And so we made some glib joke about it. Quincy a... gets fired. Was it called that? <laughs> well, I think that's what the, the gag was. Or that it was Quincy being cut up at the start of the episode. <laughs> But I just wanted to say what the actual last episode was because it's called The Cutting Edge. And Quincy and Emily, his wife, become involved with a highly advanced medical project where a young worker's severed arm is reattached. Oh my God. And the thing was, it was supposed to, that was a backdoor pilot for a supposed spin-off. Oh. So it was going to be set in this new, this new developmental hospital, research hospital oh thing. What? <laughs> what, and he was going to be in it? Well, it was, no, I don't think he was, oh. but it was a bit of a, a way into it. They were introducing some characters, so Quincy doesn't do much in this last episode, really, other than turn up and say, Dr. McCracken, how, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> and what I didn't realise, I'm looking at the name of people in the cast, Paul Rudd is in it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to dig that out and watch it again. 
Incredible. Uh, so I just didn't want to. I didn't want to leave that Quincy thing hanging. No, definitely. People thinking I didn't have the information. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I think we have rambled on long enough about the 19, 1984 and the various things that we have actually seen. <laughs> so first time round in some cases. Am I right in thinking that we've got um, coming up two 1985s? Oh, we might have actually. That's a good point. I better check so we on might that. Be able to make some extra selections for for the next year. Double, yeah. double selection. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, prepare themselves for a three-hour-long oh. episode in which we <laughs> reminisce about favorite toys from 1985. We're going to reminisce about January to June 1985. <laughs> then we'll reminisce about <laughs> July to December. Yeah. This is now a nostalgia podcast for our childhood specifically. It basically is. That's, where, it? Yeah. that's where the money is anyway. Okay, so I'm going to say goodbye and I'll just go away before I start talking about toys, Transformers again. See you, everyone, and say goodbye, fellas. Goodbye. Fairly well. Fairly well.